Hey there, normies. Today we're talking about the games of Bethesda Softworks, from Fallout to the Elder Scrolls and everything in between. So whether you're the Dragonborn or the Lone Wanderer, hopefully you haven't taken an arrow to the knee or gotten radiation poisoning recently. So grab your bottle caps and your wheels of cheese, your skooma and psychojet, and whistle for your trusty best friend Dogmeat, and join us on a journey through the games of Bethesda. Another settlement is somewhere that they need our help. Kajita's webs need to have coin. All of this just works. I used to be an adventurer like you, and I took an arrow in the knee. Oh, come now. Don't play the fool. Vegas has fools enough. Ayo, Bethesda boys. Welcome back to Normies Like Us. I'm Joe. That was a very special introduction from our friend Jacob. Uh, hey, good to be here. And this is um, the Skuma King <laughs> Mike out here. This is Khajiit Colin. if you have coin. Only if you have coin, not otherwise. <laughs> so we're out here and we're talking Bethesda. Jacob, thank you for joining us. And thank you for kind of spearheading the uh, effort to document this Bethesda stuff. Yeah, Jacob, you're a big fan of all things Bethesda Studios. You were a real pioneer for this episode. Got all the notes together. Really appreciate all that work. Yeah, I was really pushing to talk about uh, some games that I love and... Uh you know, flawed games, maybe, but Ooh, they're definitely they're flawed. <laughs> well, let me but, ask you this. Why do you think Bethesda as a company is normie? Well, um, I mean, if you start all the way back in the origins of the Elder Scrolls and stuff, it really didn't, I don't think, became too normie until really Skyrim. Uh, I would agree with that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I knew everybody Fallout, I knew played you know, that game. Fallout 3, I really think, norm- started the normification, which was then continued by Skyrim, I think. So that stuff we'll definitely get into deeper in the cast. I think we have to start with video games, obviously. Yeah. It is oh, yeah. A, uh, a video game franchise here. Why don't we just dive in, guys? Let's talk Bethesda. Oh, well, I'm the type of guy who will never settle down. Where pretty girls are, well, you know that I'm around. I kiss them and I love them, because of me they're all the same. I hug them and I squeeze them, I don't even know their name. They call me the one So yeah, so let's go right into the meat of today's episode. Let's talk about Bethesda and the video games. Uh, let's go around. Everyone, just briefly talk about your history and experience with, with Bethesda games, especially uh, the Fallout and Elder Scrolls series in particular. Jacob, I texted you off pod that uh, I thought I would be a good exposure for this because I'd played the best games, in my opinion. I have played Fallout New Vegas and I have played Skyrim, which uh-huh. are probably what I would consider the most popular games. I was very excited when you sent over this list of uh, details of with the other games as well of the notes. Uh, I have played Dishonored, which was a video game uh, I did not know. Great game, Dishonored, yeah. a video game that I got free through Xbox Live Games with Gold. I loved that video game. Yeah, and the thing to oh sorry, uh, the thing to just say real quick is that Bethesda as a studio they published a lot of games that they didn't actually design. So like the they Dishonored became... series, the Doom series, uh, Evil, Evil Within. Within, Quake, uh, lots of different games that they. But what I consider the Bethesda canon is the Elder Scrolls and Fallout because they do develop them in-house. And then I think that's an important distinction to make because, you know, a lot of companies publish many things that they don't really make. Obviously, they have an influence, like a publisher of a book can say, oh, maybe you should make these changes so it'll sell better. Right. But overall, the development studio is behind the gameplay and they are really the Elder Scrolls and Fallout games. But I do have to focus. say I do love the Dishonored series as well. It's a, it's a great so game. Cool. Dishonored 2, also a good game. You should check that one out if you haven't. Uh, Evil Within as well is a fantastic horror game. If you're a fan of stuff like Resident Evil, Silent Hill, 
you'll like the uh, Evil Within series. And another thing they've done as a publisher is they're really good at letting go of the reins for the companies that they're publishing for. They allow them to kind of do their thing, and we saw that in Doom 2016, etc. So I think Bethesda, they've become a juggernaut starting from a small company, and That's I right. love their games. Yeah, I mean, we even saw that aspect with uh, Fallout New Vegas. Like, they were basically just let the company go and do whatever they wanted. They right. only set a handful of, of guidelines of stuff that they didn't want to cut off for future entries. But let's get the rest of our experience, guys. Joe, how many of these games have you played? Uh, in terms of these games, I have not played too much. I have lost countless hours of friendships to Skyrim. <laughs> um, I would like to hit this real quick. I moved to Los Angeles uh, a year before the rest of my friends. In that time, I lived with my brother and my sister-in-law. My sister-in-law got very into Skyrim. Uh, I would say, you know, a, a good five hours for the few months after she bought it, five hours a weekend, she would play, and it would kind of be like, oh, that's the time we have to hang out, and you're obsessed with this game. Uh, Colin, then you came out, and we moved in together, and things were great. And you got into Until Skyrim. Until I got Skyrim. <laughs> and I lost you to Skyrim for hours and hours. Uh, and then I moved in with my girlfriend, and we lived together, and she got into Elder Scrolls Online. Oh, so and I lost tangential. hours of our time to Skyrim and the fucking Elder Scrolls Siri. Wow. Uh, in general, it was just something that became such a cultural phenomenon that reached beyond regular video game casuals into, or normies, if you will, into hardcore gaming. I mean, I lost friends to to crafting that I never thought would have had an interest in that at all because of the Skyrim series. And then in terms of like what I've played myself, um, Fallout 4, uh, I finally got to get involved in a Bethesda universe myself. We'll talk about this more. I hate dragons, guys. Oh, no. <laughs> this is a little bit more, Fallout's a little bit more of something you can jump into. Yeah, I hate uh, generic fantasy like dragons, elves, warlocks, all that kind of shit is just not really my bag. Fallout was an opportunity for me to take advantage of these great systems that Bethesda put in place and great role-playing elements inside of a universe that, to me, was easier to uh, to feel connected to, right. which was this it, post-apocalyptic world. And, you know, Fallout is is very similar to Elder Scrolls. It's a lot just like in a different setting and with guns and shooter, swords and arrows. But... but uh, for me, yeah, I've I've I grew up, you know, loving these kind of RPGs. I played uh, I played Morrowind a little bit. Didn't get too into it because I was pretty young at that point. Got really into Oblivion. Played over a hundred hours of Oblivion. Played over a hundred hours of Fallout Three, uh, New Vegas, Skyrim, Fallout Four. So I've played over a hundred hours of of most of the later titles post Morrowind. Basically, can I say what consoles? Like Oblivion is that Xbox and uh, PC and uh, PC. Yeah, you can get all the Xbox games for PC. I'm a, I'm a PC kind of guy a lot of the time. And Jacob, you'll lead us through more of the history of Bethesda, but I think it's interesting to note that they started as a PC-specific company. They only did games for the PC. Right, for a long time, like, uh, the early Elder Scrolls games were only on PC, but that's even before consoles could really even handle those kind of games, I think. And even with, like, things like Morrowind, where they first started making their grabs on consoles, they were kind of confined, right, by the the aspects of what they could put on a disc. You couldn't have as many voice actors or text files right, on right. a single God. disc. Um, and that goes like Skyrim, like I said, is the normification of Elder Scrolls because they made it a lot more console friendly in the way that uh, menus worked in the way that you get perks and that kind of thing. Full voice acting cast as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. True. 
And I definitely felt that. I mean, I, it wasn't a game that I played too much. I would try it out occasionally, Colin, on your system, on, on my sister-in-law's as well, and on Elder Scrolls Online as a Khajiit a little bit. <laughs> uh, but it's just not really my bag. Right. Um, and for me, I never played uh, the oldest ones, uh, Elder Scrolls Arena and Daggerfall, as well as Red Guard. But uh, Mike, I know a guy who might have uh, played those games, right? Yeah. So uh, I did play Arena, but I played it later. Um, I got my introduction to the Bethesda Elder Scrolls series. I think we're a lot talking about Elder Scrolls. That's what most people are familiar with. Um, I saw Morrowind on my friend's Xbox, and I thought it was insanely cool Mm -hmm. and then the first pc i ever built for gaming was built to play oblivion at max settings oh damn and that was you know in high school i had my taco bell money saved up and i built this rig just to run oblivion max settings and it was awesome mike can i ask you a bit about arena uh that sounds sort of like a quake land-based game to me no is that not right no so arena i once i got in there and i downloaded it they wanted to make like a game where the idea was you roamed around to different coliseums and fought, and then they were adding side quests, and they were like, "We could just do that and cut the arena oh, part out." Yeah, absolutely. So that's where the role play something starts. Totally different from what they were. Yeah, that's where it. the genesis of the the title and cover of the arena game are so misleading in terms of what you actually got. Because what you got was the basis of role playing games in the modern era. Oh, damn! But what you were advertised was kind of this generic. Uh, D&D insert hero here fighting game, which right. is not at all what you were But it given. is funny, though, because in uh, Oblivion, they do throw in like kind of a uh, an Easter egg slash joke, but it's a whole um, thing that you can do where they actually have an arena where you can oh, fight people kidding. and things like that. I so. think that's the biggest missed opportunity with Skyrim is that there was no PvP arena. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah, definitely yeah that element's that totally well. taken out. Mike, while you're saying that, it's interesting to note that that was built all of that was built and designed by Bethesda Studios. Uh, Colin, you had recommended the 76 Fallout documentary we'll talk about more later. I watched one on just the history of Bethesda in general. For both Oblivion and Skyrim, they wanted to have an arena in every single town you visited. Oh, they were that finally going to awesome. do their first idea. <laughs> the, <laughs> the problem was that it could just not fit on the disc. I mean, wow. it was simple, simply a matter of fitting that information onto a computer disc. And another thing is, I mean, Bethesda, like we mentioned earlier, they do have flaws. And one of their biggest flaws is bugs. that they always, every release that they've had for at least as long as I can remember, has always, uh, they've always had problems on release. They've had bugs. They've had content that they said was going to be in there that they then didn't include for either time or or space reasons. I remember for Skyrim, they really wanted to release it on 11-11-11. So they rushed certain parts of the game and left certain parts of the game that they planned to put in out because they wanted to hit this date with cool numbers. So that's that's Bethesda for you, yeah. yeah. I mean, there are still bugs in that game to this day where you can play as a fork uh, if you load the right save data at the right time. There is a bug that will literally put you in the perspective of a fork on a dinner table. I'd love to be a fork. Um, I know I played Oblivion, built the rig for it. Skyrim sucked all of my life away. That's the Bethesda right there. Yeah, And Skyrim was the... um, by far the best-selling game that they released. That's another thing that led to the... Because you release it 10 times, you're going to sell it. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. So that's my issue. I've kind of stayed away from the re-release on the Nintendo Switch. It yeah. really mm-hmm. turns me off that that might be the third time I've bought this video game. Right. The success of Skyrim was a total shock to the development team, though. They thought that they had a good game. Sure. They 
did not predict, and I don't think they could have predicted, how well the game would be received by general public. And so many people play Skyrim that don't even know what the Elder Scrolls are. They're like, when's Skyrim 2 coming out? Yeah, true. It has nothing to do with Elder Scrolls to these people. It's just the idea of Skyrim. It's just a very mainstream RPG now. Totally normified, if you will. The escapism that they kind of stumbled into when they were making Arena by like just creating this world where you can wander around and do anything you want. They expanded on that so much through Morrowind and Oblivion that it's like anybody who just wants to escape, maybe you just want to pick flowers. You can do that for hundreds of hours. Right. You can just pick flowers if you want, or and you can go fight dragons. It's crazy. And to think you're doing this at a time where open world games were not really a thing. No. I mean, this is Grand Theft Auto, maybe. That's it. Most Grand yeah, Theft Auto. Sure. Well, that's not, I not even to... Grand Theft Auto 3. You're not talking just big. The, the tabletop game or right. the. the uh, 2D over the top view. GTA 3 maybe came on that. I mean, Oblivion, no. But yeah, Arena, like creating mm-hmm. an open world game, but nothing I mean, that's has ever been mid that big. 90s. Yeah, well, I wanted to mention that Bethesda, um, for all their flaws, they're always trying to push the boundaries of what's capable with every new game. And even in Daggerfall, um, they expanded on what they did in Arena. And Daggerfall, to this day, has one of the biggest open worlds ever made. Uh, but so much of it was empty that they, they toned it down a little bit in the sequels. Um, but they're always just pushing the boundaries. Wow, larger than Skyrim? Yeah, larger than Sk- Ooh, Skyrim is actually crazy. not one of the fan. bigger Elder Scrolls. It just has a lot more within it, but space-wise, Daggerfall is like one of the biggest ever. So Jacob, you're a huge fan of this company and the Elder Scrolls series. Why don't we just go ahead and walk through the history of Bethesda in relation to the Elder Scrolls games? Can you start us at the beginning there? Yeah, sure. So uh, Bethesda was founded in uh, 1986. Um, the first game that they made was actually Gridiron, which is a uh, uh, early football game, I believe, for the SNES. Um, it was the first physics-based uh, sports simulation game oh, ever. Oh, weird. And EA liked it so much that they hired Bethesda to finish developing the first Madden game, and then it turned into a whole lawsuit thing where Bethesda sued EA to try to, because they, basically EA tried to screw Bethesda, but that's a long story. It's weird to think that a game company that is known so much for their fantasy and sci-fi elements really got their start with football games well, yeah history and sports yeah and a lot of the early pre elder scrolls games that they made were sports games they made wayne gretzky hockey they made they oh, also made yeah. uh, a terminator game they made some other movie tie-in games yeah it's weird that they had tie-ins with the the terminator franchise mm-hmm. you wouldn't have expected that and it seems like with even arena they were trying to make a fantasy sports game where you go and fight at these foreign arenas right it almost seems like there was miscommunication in the company though because it's like arena what the premise delivers and what you get are totally different even retailers complain about that but oh really yeah because you know as advertisers you're going to get a and they ended up well they really just should have changed the name because while they were making it they should not have called it arena different direction that's exactly right i mean you can see the D &D influences all over the place there oh yes absolutely like i might not be a fantasy fan but i'm a huge D &D fan playing through uh dungeons and dragons colin is our our dm locally uh yeah, that world, looking at Arena, it's just the same thing translated to a Arena PC. starts in a dungeon. And then if you can get to the outside world, you get fucked up by a crab on oh, the beach, which, which Dark Souls also did. They have very dangerous crabs, so I think maybe they're <laughs> buying more from Elder Scrolls than they let on. 
Uh, that's right. And so to get into um, a little more history about Bethesda, so they made the first uh, Elder Scrolls uh, Arena in 1994, followed by Daggerfall in 96, and then Morrowind in 2002. And Morrowind was where it wasn't necessarily a normification, but it did update the, the graphics a lot, updated the engine. The first one on a console, right? Uh, that's right as well. And a lot, and most people consider it the best game in the series, story-wise, and um, just range of what you're able to do. Before Morrowind, there were the Elder Scrolls Adventures, right? Um, these were kind of offshoot games. One of them I really appreciate. I, I haven't played it, but I read about it a lot. Uh, it was Red Guard, and it was an Elder mm-hmm. Scrolls game that was basically like a pirates game. Oh, that's interesting. Red Guard, a type of race that you can choose inside the Elder Scrolls games. That's right. Oh, see, I didn't even know that. I just knew that uh, this game was like like Pirates of the Caribbean, basically. And and Todd Howard had actually said that that was kind of to him the first basis of Elder Scrolls moving beyond just a generic fantasy insert hero here Coming to more of yeah. developing their own world, which well, gave an opportunity for stuff like Morrowind, which was way more grandiose. Yeah, and each each installment kind of has its own flavor. Like Skyrim is set in Skyrim, which is the Northland, so it's they very all take Nordic part in Skyrim. separate regions, right? Yeah, those Morrowind, are the yeah, Nordics, has a lot more right? eastern it's Probably the coolest and, parts of these games. Yeah, the, ge- the geographical aspects. And like most of them are named after either areas in Tamriel, which is the continent that. Uh, Elder Scrolls takes place on, or or a, a species like Redguard. So. Oh, is Oblivion a place inside Elder Oblivion Scrolls? Oblivion is not, but that has to do with the Oblivion Crisis, which is oh. like the It happens the in the Imperial Empire. But Morrowind area. is uh, uh, an area, as well as Daggerfall. So. And the developers have said every single time that they create a Bethesda game, they start with the map. So, I mean, it right. makes sense to me yeah. that this is all based on locations because the first thing they build out before characters, before environments is just the map itself. Which leads uh, everyone to speculate based on that 30 seconds of Elder Scrolls 6 teaser where is the next one going to be Yeah, where is that's going to be such a huge part. A lot of people think it's High Rock. uh, High Rock, tell uh, us that. Sick, dude. uh, Yeah, I believe High... (laughs) High Rock is where the Red Guard come from, I believe. Oh, really? Wow. I wanted a Khajiit world, but it might be High Rock. No. Well, they've done so many different um, provinces already that um, what I think would be cool, and if the tech is there, just do the entire continent of Tamriel. Jesus Christ. Combine it all together. The big big world. I would love that, yeah. Uninstall everything on your PS4, please. If it was called (laughs) Elder Scrolls VI Tamriel. How much would you lose your mind? Tamriel. That would get me I would so excited. Take, uh, probably a couple of days off work just. To, when it comes <laughs> just I would explore. quit my job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you though, if if it is based, I mean, I know we're we're grandiose here. If it is the whole continent, bringing it back a little bit to reality, if it is where the Red Guard are from, it might be the first Elder Scrolls game that I pick up myself. Well, you can and play as play a Red Guard in, in any. You can play as any species in any of the games. Yeah, but um, can you get on a pirate ship and then run your own, that's your own what they smuggling do. operation? Because that's kind yeah. of what's really exciting. I don't know a lot about the Red Guard, that's but, true. Uh, yeah, and so, so... But they have said for Elder Scrolls Six, they're waiting. They've had... they've So basically, it's been seven years since Skyrim came out. They've been waiting to make this game. They've been waiting for the tech to... Um, catch up to what they want to do. So. It's been seven years since the first time they released Skyrim. Yes, but it's been seven years since we've seen a new Elder Scrolls game, not not including right. Elder Scrolls Online. But they've said before, they're waiting for the tech to catch up. That could mean that they're trying to do something like that or something. Are they going to wait for the next console cycle, you think? Uh, I believe so, because, I mean, yeah, I think it'll be for... Well, they said Starfield will probably be on next-gen consoles as well. And 
they're making a whole new engine, so that's good because that the Fallout time. 4 engine is looking a wee bit dated. Jacob, can oh, I you ask? think so? Even moving Absolutely. into 76? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, 76, I'm excited to play it, but the that engine is so dated. I mean, there's so... I mean, even Fallout 4 has bugs upon bugs, you know? It's just... Um, Every Bethesda game has bugs, though. Yeah. When you're doing I'm something that, that big, you can't comb it. You know, and if time. I had to guess, I mean, they le- they released Skyrim on 11, 11, 11. I think they might be waiting for 2, 22, 22. Oh, God. Oh. So just a stab in the dark there, but it could be Ah, like the long. black no, hand. That's not a bad idea, though, if, if they are as obsessed with numbers as they seem to be. No, you mean 22, 22, 22, that famous month 22? <laughs> yeah, yeah, month 22. Um. I mean, Bethesda, you know, they're not only known for Skyrim, though. They've also acquired and been making Fallout games That's right. for the last so, couple of years with the same engine. How did they get the rights to Fallout to begin with, Jacob? Okay, so uh, basically, um, they bought the rights uh, from... Sort of. They bought the rights? Well, they acquired the rights from Black Isle Studios, who made Fallout 1 and 2. Um, if you haven't played Fallout 1 and 2, they are a top-down isometric RPG. What console are we talking of- we're talking PC. Yeah, oh, no console. Um, oh, so these are very old school. Very oh, old yeah, this school. is this oh, yeah. is in the 90s. Um, this was created by Black Isle Studios, which if you're a fan of RPGs, you know Baldur's Gate, you know oh, yeah. um, Icewind Dale. Oh, wow. Um, so a lot of old RPGs then. Yeah. Baldur's um, Gate's a D&D so, thing. Hell so yeah. Fallout 1 was originally the sequel to a game called Wasteland, um, but it was... Basically, they didn't have the rights to use Wasteland, so they just made it, they called it Fallout. So they had Fallout 1 and 2. Then Bethesda acquires Fallout, and they turn it into a 3D RPG that we know as Fallout 3. They just plugged it into the uh, Oblivion engine, right? That's right. Um, Fallout 3 is very similar to Oblivion, whereas Fallout 4 is very similar to to Skyrim. Makes sense. You know, stretch your resources. But it's with guns, right? It's post-apocalyptic. There's a lot of uh, mutated beasts, and you're trying to survive out there in the wilderness. You can explore anywhere you want, but it's just more wrapped in that uh, apocalyptic setting. That's right. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about the gunplay, though? Because that was a big pill for me to swallow. Well, the gunplay um, has never really been what Fallout is known for until Fallout 4. I would say Fallout 4 is even more of a shooter RPG, whereas uh, New Vegas and 3 are more RPGs with shooter elements or action elements. Fallout 4 is a full-on FPS slash RPG, if you know what I mean. And that blending of genres is something that I think was a huge success and helped the normification of the Fallout series. Because I had heard about New Vegas and played a little bit of that, was really turned off by the gunplay. The VAT yeah, system just didn't click with Fallout me. Fallout 3 is I didn't get it either. Um, but Fallout 4 did do a lot to improve the, the shooting. Um, while there is still VATs, you don't need... You're not reliant on it. I never liked VATS either because I think it makes the gameplay a little too easy, a little too boring. Um, But Fallout 4 did add a lot of FPS elements that made the gunplay much more manageable. It seems like the big thing we're talking about here, though, is the worlds that Bethesda can create. These immersive worlds, these huge maps, these mm-hmm. like deep. Um, there's lore to them, you right. know. And there's that's different what factions. Yeah, they're not yeah. known for great combat. They're right. not known for great graphics Whereas or anything like that. Dark Souls is fantasy with good combat and a fucking weird ass story. This is fantasy or wasteland with yeah. a huge map and deep lore, but the combat could use some work. Now for Fallout, I'm all about the aesthetic, guys. I'll be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. I 100%. love the Pip Boy. 
I love oh, yeah. the power suit. I mean, honest to God, everything about it. That Cold War era futurism where we had the idyllic, what's it going to look like afterwards? I'm not talking Mad Max where things are blown to hell, total apocalypse style. Yeah. I'm talking about, you know, that positive view of what we thought things would turn out to be in the 50s. I fucking love that aesthetic. Tunnel snakes rule. I mean, buying into that aesthetic of like 1950s America in a post-apocalyptic world. I don't think there's anything more original than that in the video game world. I think that like Bioshock takes a lot from that as well. For sure. Yeah. And I am a fan of the aesthetics as well. Um, I do have to say, I think Colin and Joey, you guys mentioned Fallout 4 is uh, you think one of the best. I have a lot of problems with Fallout 4. I'm much more apprehensive about Fallout 4. While there are things that I like about it, maybe we go into a little more what we liked and didn't like about it. I think it, um, d- it, it dumbed down a lot of aspects of fallout, the RPG aspects, the, the perks, um, that kind of thing. And what I always like Bethesda for is there's such a wide lane range of play styles. I mean, you, ch- you make your own character, you pick your specializations and that sort of thing. And it's up to you how you want to play. Um, I think fallout for really normified it and really console made it console friendly if you will and just kind of dumbed down those those Filthy rpg aspects but i guess players. i hope and i guess the whole point of this podcast guys and for our listeners out there does it hold up to the normization i mean when something like that because it's if it gets to that point that's when we're going to start talking about it so something like fallout 4 has become so accessible has it become dumb to you has it lost its magic that's the big question mm-hmm the company as itself even decided to make a pivot in Morrowind to make themselves console friendly. They were basically at a crossroads where you could either continue to be a PC developer or you could become a full game studio. They made the decision to get into the console world. And I think once you're in that world, normification is the goal. And if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Morrowind supposed to be online? I'm not I sure think the in the original development cycle, I could be wrong, and let me know if I am, listeners, but I've heard things where Morrowind was supposed to be an online game, and the world is pretty unpopulated. People like the story, but it feels pretty uh, empty. And that's kind of what we're getting back to with Elder Scrolls Online in 2015 and uh, Fallout 76 in 2018. Yeah, so Morrowind felt almost unfinished to console players because there's just a bunch of empty space. Yeah, People say I, it's the best one, but what's going on there? I think a lot of that is due to the limitations of the tech at the time because they do improve on that in Oblivion and then even more in Skyrim, right? Yeah, I mean, those ones are great, but... Each successive world feels a little more lived in and a little more active. My favorite's Oblivion, but maybe just because I played it the most and it had an arena. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you feel about jumping to something like Elder Scrolls online then well i've never played elder scrolls online i mean that's it's an mmo so it's interesting but i would not it's not something that i'd be super into for me the joy of uh, a bethesda game is just a good old-fashioned single-player rpg that's why i'm also a little apprehensive about fallout 76 because we don't need multiplayer in every game and i just think that there's there's room for those single-player rpgs that i that i grew up loving you know so jacob you think that bethesda as a company works best when they're building single-player games as opposed to multiplayer experiences i do i mean i'll still play fallout 76 i'll still buy it and i'll still play it but uh to me it does look basically like an expansion of fallout 4 with with online play and just more base building which isn't wasn't my favorite thing about fallout 4 but we'll get into that as well 
There's a lot of people that like that aspect of modern gaming. Like, you know, Fortnite has a crafting system. Yeah. Crafting oh, is oh, like I'm a huge big crafting now. fan. Yeah, of course. You are a big crafting fan. You like I mean, Minecraft. you're a Minecraft you're obsessed, guy, right? Not to yeah. out you, but. <laughs> no, we are outing you. <laughs> well, hardcore. there's a Feed lot of caveats. Beast. It's not, you know. Modded, modded Minecraft. Minecraft. And for the people that know, they'll know. Feed but, the beast. Shout um, them out, dog. But no, yeah. So there's like a crafting system with this. 76. Yeah. There's a multiplayer. Like right. And so a lot of people are saying it's Rust meets Fallout, or even Ark Survival meets Fallout. Yeah. Right? Even Final Fantasy is done online. If an RPG gets big enough, they'll think about expanding its world into being an MMO. Right. I loved Final Fantasy online. I never. I'm not an MMO guy though. It's and not that anything like that. When a when a game series or a game company gets that big, it's about building that community and fostering that community online makes the most sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fallout 4 I do want to get a little more into the base building aspect of it because I did like it wasn't the best part of the game but actually that started uh, with Skyrim the Skyrim DLC you could get uh, a house hearth uh, hearth hearthstone hearthstone it was a hearthstone I thought it was hearthstone. hearthstone's Heartstone a game it's a card game, game. yeah, yeah hearthfire hearth but yeah you're right you could um, get- where you could make your own house and you could customize it but even that had very limited ways you could do it they expanded on that in Fallout 4 with the settlement building which was fun. My problem with the settlement building was there are so many settlements. Like I built up the sanctuary. I made it look really nice. I customized it out. But then I realized, oh, there's like 50 other settlements. I'm not going to go to every settlement and like set up defenses, set up water purification. Like it just gets repetitive. It's kind of like Metal Gear 5. It just gets too fucking granular. Yeah, You yeah, run out of time exactly. to give a shit. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I mean, isn't the reason that we only got Skyrim once and then they remade it like seven times over the course of seven years is because that that world is so big that they want you to spend the time in there building things up like that i mean to you is that not worth in it skyrim well it's just in bethesda games in general in fallout it's and a in, there's a lot world. to see and explore yeah absolutely um you can read books yeah but here's here's my whole thing if i can just jump in real quick i know a lot of people who get turned off by open world games do you guys ever feel like you need a set of guidelines? No, I love open no, world. You're I just like just walking in a direction, in. not even looking at the quest, just talking to people, maybe getting a quest, just walking and seeing what, what comes your way. It depends on the setting for me. Um, in a game like Elder Scrolls, just because my personal preference is that dragons are dumb and I'm not interested in that world. Uh, <laughs> Joe no. is not dragonborn, by the way. <laughs> no, no. No. Um, Fallout... Kind of. Ooh, you got me there. I'm a little interested. The new game they're developing, the new IP, that could be the first one for me that really feels... You're talking about Starfield? I'm talking about Starfield, man. That, that Should could, be good. Should be good. That, to me, could be the first Bethesda game that I lose myself in. But, Joe, like if you had a Spider-Man game that followed linearly one of your favorite comic book storylines, would you prefer that to the open-world Spider-Man you're about to get? I mean... Why not both die? Why not yeah, both? It depends how good the games are. That brings me to another point I wanted to make, which is that um, Skyrim did uh, start a lot of trends or continue a lot of trends in gaming in the last decade or so. I mean, it came out almost 10 years ago. I mean, tw- 2011. Yeah, close um, too. Yeah. I think a game that... It's ancient. ...that improved upon a lot of the things that Skyrim was trying to do is The Witcher 3, um, which I've been playing a lot of recently. I know it's kind of you know been out a couple years shout out to poland but the witcher 3 <laughs> is a game that does that open world great um the one difference that i wanted to, to, to make that what that skyrim that the uniqueness that skyrim adds is that you do create your own character your own backstory if you want your own play style whereas the witcher 3 you are very much role-playing as Geralt of Rivia, uh, Rivia. you are a witcher and you have your own 
Like you, you use your two swords and that's the way it is. That's so if true. you like role playing as an established character, the Witcher three is the gold standard of that. Whereas if you want to design your own character, something like Skyrim or fallout, it's much better for that. I mean, like you said, Bethesda has laid a lot of groundwork, hopefully with cyberpunk 2077, which is something I'm super optimistic about from the team that made Witcher 3. CD Projekt Red. CD Projekt Red, very good company. see that opportunity to to build your own character in a different world as opposed to the Witcher world or the... the I don't know, Joe. I don't know. I think that's going to be much more story-based. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, that's kind of their thing is that they don't do the the Bethesda-style make-your-own-character, which is fine. I mean, both have their merits, you know? You know, the Witcher is like... An economized version of Skyrim. If you don't want the mess of who do I have to be, where do I have to go? Right. It gives you, you a little are bit of that. Geralt of Rivia. And gives you, you direction. Are a witcher, and that's what you do. You go around. You're a, a monster hunter detective, um, <laughs> and that's the way I play when I play. It's like your Supernatural brothers, which I'm super into as a fan of the Supernatural brothers and just that type of game. Why play. is the series not called the Supernatural brothers? <laughs> Supernatural <laughs> it brothers. Joe, I would watch I would that watch any it minute. Every day. <laughs> I mean, I watch it every day to begin with, uh, but just, yeah, the idea, like they're the fucking hardy yeah. boys. And actually yeah. Joe, if I could say, I think you would love Witcher because um, it's very, uh, and it's, it's got very boobs. Arkham where you're I investigating these monsters. <laughs> you're, Mythos um, driven. Yeah. You're like a detective in the, in this ancient uh, medieval world where you, had to figure out the monster's weaknesses. You have to get the right blade oil. You are your Dean blade. Winchester because you, yeah. you know. You oh. the, that is your job. You are a monster. You take contracts. You're doing a good monsters. sell right now to Joe. He's <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little really too fun. Much. And on actually, the biz- another thing I can mention is that the combat is really fun in Witcher because <laughs> I, it's it's a lot like um, uh, it's a lot like the Arkham Batman games meets Dark Souls. The combat it has got some Dark Souls elements. It's got some uh, Arkham elements in that combat. You lock on to your character. Okay, so it's kind of a mix of like action adventure, third person with RPG elements. I could get behind that. Because as we talked, Bethesda does not do combat super well, right? Oh no, no. even in Skyrim. Skyrim, yeah. yeah I mean, the the range of different styles you can do in Skyrim is good, but the actual combat itself is very Pitiful. basic. The yeah. breadth is great, but the depth is lackluster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, that's one of those things like for me, like Colin, my sister-in-law, my girlfriend, everybody was so into Skyrim. Every single one of them at some point was like, oh, pick up the controller. You'll get obsessed as well. No, man, that combat sucked. I could just not get into it because I didn't have the fluidity that I would look for in attacks. I think that's why PVP would suck. How it would not oh, be fun to true. fight somebody in yeah, the Skyrim engine. Yeah, right? exactly. And that's another thing um, the, the where the play style counts a lot because if you do a magic build... Magic is a little more, there's a little more depth to it than just hand-to-hand combat. And also the fact that you can dual wield, you can have magic, you can be shooting fireballs out of your left hand with a hand axe in your right hand. Right. Um, it, the, 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 the amount of different play styles that you can attack it from. Same with Fallout. Do you want to really be stealth? To Do you want to run head in? Like, yeah. there's a lot of choices you can make. There. And with Fallout, you could be a melee guy. You could be a, a sniper. You could be whatever you want. Nothing so. beats a baseball bat in any game. Fallout does that great. <laughs> Final Fantasy VII has the nail bat. It's a bat with a single nail driven through it. So oh, they also is. have a bat. Yeah. See, go. Fallout, I go pure rifles and and. I like to be a marksman. But, I like uh, to rifle through people's old shit. <laughs> so can yeah. I ask you, when I mentioned, Jacob, that the ones that I played, you said Skyrim kind of the most unfavorable amongst fans. And then I'm seeing here in your research, New Vegas not even released by Bethesda. Yeah, New Vegas, um, considered by many to be the best Fallout game, um, it's uh, a game that Oblivion took over and said, okay, we'll take the model developed by Fallout 3 and we'll approve upon that. I think it has the best story of the modern Fallout games. 
Um, I think the story in Fallout 4 is pitiful as well Uh-oh. as Fallout 3 not being that good. But Oblivion or uh, New Vegas. Uh, New Vegas. Uh, great. I think I, I love said the story. Matthew Perry in it. Yeah, Matthew, Matthew Perry. Matthew the, Perry the voices the bad guy. Oh, Could I be God. any One more evil? <laughs> it's like I wasn't interested at all until you said that, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. You but it plays Matthew out like Perry. a super cool western. I mean, it oh puts yeah, you and that's just the other thing. Desolated landscape that I love about New Vegas. It's almost the like setting, even though it's a little. The graphics are a little dated today. The setting is my favorite setting of all the Fallout games. You're just out in the desert. You've got the New California Republic. You've got the Caesar's Caesar's Legion, which is. One of my favorite Damn. factions. You got the Brotherhood of Steel, of course. Um, just a great game overall. I remember that being one of the first games, too, where, I mean, there were commercials on, on TV for New Vegas. And uh, I remember Frank thinking, like, yep. yeah, and I remember thinking, like, oh, this is kind of just like another shooter game. And then I got my hands on it, and it was like, whoa, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Part of Bethesda's world building is they do really good factions. They really do do these intriguing they groups do. that are all vying for power in their own way. Like, you got... The champions who are secretly werewolves in Skyrim. You have the mm. Black Hand, which is a murderous thieves group, the Thieves Guild. They That's do right. this really well. And same thing, like I said, with the Caesars and the New California Republic. It's Tunnel great snakes. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tunnel and that's snakes. a thing that I think that um, Oblivion and Morrowind did a little better than Skyrim. Uh, the Skyrim Civil War, I had some problems with it because the, the so one lame. side so that I wanted to depict the one side that's not the... So there's like the... the, 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 the um, capitalists or whatever the imperials uh, the imperials yeah, yeah. which and that's where oblivion the, is set is in the imperial domain right and then there's the nords i forget what their their kind of faction storm cloaks the storm cloaks storm that's yeah. right cloaks. and i really wanted to join the storm cloaks and then i talked to the the king of the storm cloaks and i realized oh they're just a bunch of racists i don't yeah want to dude racist. i was so i got swerved i was so mad i was a kajit yeah. too i'm like you hate yeah, everybody and they but hate you kajit right so yeah you can either be an imperial or you can be a racist you can sell out like, or be a racist <laughs> fuck both of these choices yeah. and colin i remember you specifically trying to make the decision of do I become a werewolf or do I not become a werewolf? <laughs> yeah, that's all I cared about. I'll be honest with you. I oh, stopped with the Civil great. War storyline. I'm going to go pick flowers. Right Guard. Yeah. yeah, I uh, I became I married or the werewolf. Or you become later. a vampire. That's fun too. Except you can't go out in the daytime. I mean, it went beyond just like hardcore gaming or D&D nerds. Like anyone would be interested in making those decisions that, frankly, like five years before, no one would care about. Just give me a third choice. It's like, fuck both of these. Yeah. Because neither of them are good. Neither of them is right. Maybe that's what they're going for. Like, oh, there's no right choice. Right. But the great thing about the way Bethesda makes their stories is you could totally skip that storyline and not even do it. Yeah, you could still um, if, put 200 hours into the game, skipping yeah, all of that. Which I have. You could yes. not even, you could, if you want to, not even complete the main quest and just, you know, role play as a guy that walks around and like picks flowers and makes herbs or, or, you know, <laughs> or just puts buckets on people's stuff. heads. Yeah. Yeah. Wheels of cheese. I, yeah, I collected a lot of wheels of cheese and put them in my house and it was great. <laughs> have you finished the main quest of Skyrim? No. Yes. Uh, I actually have, um, but only after playing over 100 hours of Skyrim. Did and I? did you just feel like you had to kind of zip it up? And it actually felt kind of anticlimactic, if I'm going to be honest. Oh. Like the the last, the fight where you fight the... Uh, Drowder or whatever his name, the Dread Dragon, the Black yeah. Dragon. Alder. Oh, yeah. Alder. And the wrap-up all felt a little anticlimactic. And 
this, the main storyline didn't do it for me in that way that, that the storyline of Oblivion really did it for me. But do you think that's because you had already invested 100 hours into that universe? Oh, yeah, I don't or? regret playing the game. I mean, it's still just a great game um, to walk around in. And another way you can play it, it I mean, it adds um, fast travel, which is another interesting thing like Morrowind. There's no fast travel in Morrowind. If you want to go oh somewhere. Oh, my gosh. And there's also, That's why it felt so empty when I saw it. Yeah. And the way that they do um, map markers and that kind of thing in Skyrim, it's this new trend in games where they really have to spell it out for you. Go here, follow these dotted lines to get to the next oh, quest it objective. it overtakes your compass. Yeah. Absolutely. In Morrowind, it was like, turn left at the, the funny looking rock, you know? <laughs> And if you want to get to a city, you have to actually walk oh, or ride great. a horse, you know, to the city. You have to like self-navigate though. And like they, they think with older games too, is they trusted players to figure stuff out a lot more. Sure. And now you don't see that much. Like yeah, I always, now they just spell I love dark them. souls, you know, they don't hold your hand. Right. Yeah. But that's kind of the normification of it. I mean, PC games Make back in the day were not for Look at children. Monkey Island, all these click and point adventure right. games, they're fucking hard. But you guys got to understand, for video games, for a lot of people, are to turn your brain off. I mean, what's the argument there? Right. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, just Skyrim, is, it's just a lot of like, go here, talk to this guy. Now go here and talk to There's this guy. There's a lot guy. of fetch yeah. quests. It out for you. Yeah. Well, and Colin, like you said, what's the argument there? People say the same thing about movies. People say the same thing about music. Very true. I mean, what is the argument of like, is entertainment meant to just turn your brain off? I don't want to grind in something that doesn't matter. One thing I don't want to just was, turn my brain off, though. Like, if I'm going to do something, like, I'm going to think about it. Oh, like, neither do I, dog. No. I agree with you. But some people do feel that way. Uh, yeah. One thing I think was interesting in the Fallout series is that they really had to think about this being a survival game, yes. Uh, one quote I loved was a developer talking about, like, in the morning I have to brush my teeth. Uh, I have to do that so my teeth don't rot. I don't want to do that in a video game. That's boring. So what elements of survival are worth adding oh, in right. to a thin video line. game? You're absolutely right. right. And then also to add to that, I mean, there are different levels of how realistic you want to play it. If you want to play a full-on survival mode, you can. You can play no fast travel. You need to eat and drink a lot. You need to sleep to regain you know, health and that sort of thing. You need to take in radiation into account. That's all possible, both in Skyrim and Fallout 4. The level of hardcoreness that you want to be. I didn't know Skyrim had that. That's fascinating. Yeah, Skyrim has that as well as mods that add a lot of... Um, there's a mod that's like a hunger overall that uh, uh, overhaul that really um, make the hunger system a lot more You become more a hungry boy. Yeah. yeah. One thing I thought was interesting that you just brought up was the, the radiation levels. Uh, one thing Fallout 76 is introducing that I'm super excited about is the idea of mutations. Mm-hmm. And like if you don't stay out of radiated areas, if you don't eat, if you don't replenish your health, you're, you're going to get more radiated. You're going to mutate and those mutates are going to uh, af- those mutations are going to affect the gameplay. That is three levels deeper than I think most people think when they turn on a video game. That's true. It's, they, they're always doing these cascading uh, effects, whether through a decision you make early in the game and how that's going to affect different factions in the storyline, or even, like you said, the radiation stacking on top of itself to change the world itself. Bethesda is good at worlds. It seems like they're hit or miss on stories, and they're also hit or miss on combat. Mm. They can be, if, and I think with stories, they have um, they used to be a lot better. I think they've gone downhill recently. I if they start with building the map, it makes sense that their world is so immersive but they're so focused on the map, maybe they lose some of the smaller details. Absolutely. And they've already announced that the Fallout 76 story is cyclical, uh, meaning you're going to launch these nukes, you're going to collect the codes again, you're going to launch them again. I mean, it's a big circle. Dark Souls. Is that exciting for players? 
I think I'm less hyped about Fallout 76 than most Fallout fans seem to be. I'm really not too excited. Like, I'll still play it, but I just... To me, it doesn't look different enough from Fallout 4. It seems like I'm doing a lot of the same things just in a multiplayer setting. Which one of the announcements that they made at E3 is most exciting for you moving forward? Are you oh, a Fallout guy, and Elder I mean, Scrolls guy? I'm or? both, but I think Starfield is going to be really exciting. I think Elder Scrolls 6, down the line, I've been waiting for a new Elder Scrolls game for years. So. Well, we got confirmation about Starfield not having multiplayer. It's yes. back to them just being a single-player Absolutely, and that's what their main game. RPGs should be. Like, Elder Scrolls Online, that's fine if you want to do a one-off MMO, if you want to do a one-off Fallout 76. That's not what their main games are going to be going forward elder scrolls 6 i doubt that'll have any kind of multiplayer aspect oh, at definitely all. not i just hope they open them the arena area should be the only multiplayer area like, yeah so you're looking for a pvp you, experience a, just just a little bit go to the arena in the main city you sign up for a tournament and that's that but again if they hopefully they improve the combat a little bit because just a pvp of skyrim combat would not really be that fun well, while we're talking about hopes and dreams for these games in the future, I just got to say, I know you've been ragging on it all episode, but as a Nintendo Switch fan, I just desperately want Fallout 4 to come to the Switch. I, really? I, I, absolutely. I want to get that adaptation to the Switch. I want to jump back into the Fallout world. I understand that fans aren't loving it, but if I can take that anywhere, I am fucking down to play that game. I mean, I had mentioned at the beginning I'm interested in getting a Switch because of some of the E3 announcements. Fallout 4 on the Switch would be so exciting just because that's the type of Thank game where you. I'm on the couch, uh, you know, we're watching a movie or we're, we're marathoning a TV show I've seen a million times. Let me play that game. Yeah, and I don't hate Fallout 4. I mean, I played, I did play over 100 hours of it and I enjoyed a lot of it. It does have significant problems, I think. Um and one of the biggest problems I have with it is that the engine, they're still using that Skyrim engine four years later. Oh, boy. And not to bring up Witcher 3 again, but Witcher 3 came out the same year as Fallout 4. And it's 4. gorgeous. And the, the, yeah, the stark contrast of Witcher 3's graphics and world compared to Fallout is just too much for me to ignore, you know? I mean, do you think that's a Bethesda problem? Do you think as a company they're a little lazy? Bethesda, or? I think recently they've been kind of riding their coattails of like, you know, their earlier games. And I think they're getting back into like Elder Scrolls six. They specifically have said multiple times, we're waiting for the tech to match our vision. And I'm really happy about that because if they just released Elder Scrolls six on the same old engine, it would be shit basically. Yeah. Just Skyrim 1.5. Yeah. Everything they make is kind of spearheaded, it seems, by this Todd Howard guy. That's his oh, name. Todd boy. Howard, very... Uh, Two first names. <laughs> I don't know very anything controversial about figure. him. Um, so yeah, Todd Howard, he jo- he joined Bethesda in 1994. He actually got turned down twice before. He, he, he would drive by their studio every day to go to school, and he really wanted to work there. He got turned down while he was in school. They said, finish school. Then he got turned down again after school. Finally, he got hired as a developer on the early uh, Elder Scrolls games, he became project leader on Morrowind, and since then he's been the exec producer or game director of every game that they've put out. Um, so he, he's now kind of the figurehead of Bethesda. Very controversial guy, very uh, egotistical, some people think. Um, I mean, I've seen some interviews. He kind of comes off like a douchebag. Yeah. Why is he controversial? Uh a lot of people attribute the the sort of normification, the Skyrim and the Fallout 4, to him wanting to dumb it down for the most mainstream appeal that it can be. Oh my be. god, I just see that as a guy who wants people to play his video games. Of course, games. I mean, yeah, that seems argument. like right. a good thing. I want to make a game for 10 people. <laughs> no, no, it's the <laughs> argument of, yeah, mainstream appeal versus, like, the hardcore gamers. Art. But the hardcore gamers feel betrayed by him because... 
they same thing with music fans how you fucking sold out you know but like i think you feel but, betrayed but there is a way to make games that have mainstream appeal that are a little more complex a little more deep and if you want them to be deep they can be if you want them to be shallow they can be i think fallout 4 for one thing is very shallow gameplay style mm-hmm. where um you can't get deeper than a certain point whereas like skyrim there is a more a little more deepness to it but especially like morrowind and oblivion uh fallout new vegas um a lot more to it um skyrim like i think mike said before skyrim fallout 4 it has breadth but not depth sure and something like god of war that just came out the revamp of that we've seen a lot of praise that's something that it seems like it has mass appeal but also people are very happy with how it was produced but even something like dark souls like it if you can play it as a normie or you can play it as a hardcore fan. I don't think there's a lot of normies playing Dark Souls. I mean, they do, but like, I don't think they finish it. I mean, I think it's all about finding that balance between a hardcore gamer's acceptance and a general audience. Like, you know, the whole sold out argument, I think, is a little benign. Like, you can never sell out if you never buy in. You know, I just because you want people to buy out necessarily. I bad. do think they dumbed it down a lot. Um, the, the, the contrast between... Fallout 3 in New Vegas into Fallout 4 in terms of the leveling, the perks. It's just so much more simplified. And I don't want to say that's a bad thing, but I mean, there is there is a way to have games that have more depth to them that are also have mainstream appeal, I think. They just need like a, a bitch switch. Yeah. You know, do you want to play it for real or do you want to play it for fun? Yeah, that's right. true. That's it. You know? I'd be down for that, man. I'd hit it every time. Because there's plenty of times too, <laughs> like where I'm you know, playing a game that it's just like... You see games where they let you skip boss fights. Have you seen this before? Oh, no, no, that's, that's a real really thing. Breaks like there's heart. shit where it's like you die enough times, it just you can skip. Mm. Uh, it's usually uh, not AAA games. It's you know, but it's like okay, hold on. So that's that's going a little bit too yeah, far. Right. But yeah, maybe I mean, they have an option where you can challenge. play the surface the surface level of just run through your your giant world adventure or go deeper. And another thing that, that Fallout 4 simplified a lot is the dialogue trees. So they give you the illusion of choice in these dialogue trees. Um, but if you actually look into it more, um, a lot of the dialogue, it leads to the same result. So it's like the illusion of choice. You're not actually making decisions. You're just saying, what inflection do you want my character to say uh, the same thing with? You know what I mean? That's a big sin in my mind. Mm, yeah. yeah. It is. But at the same time, that's a lot of a limitation of what you can physically fit on a disc and what you can physically fit on a console. Uh, well, I think you but shouldn't the, be biting off more than you can chew then. Yeah. The dialogue trees were much better in Sky. If you compare the dialogue in Skyrim to the dialogue in Fallout 4, it's it's the contrast is very apparent of how much it's simplified. Um, where now there's just like a lot of times there's just one answer that's a sarcastic answer where there's one answer that's like a serious answer but they lead to the same result whereas skyrim your choices actually mattered in another game that i keep bringing up witcher 3 your choices actually have impact on the on the story in the game and you won't know until hours later yeah I love how this is a Bethesda podcast and you have sold me on Witcher 3 more than anything else. <laughs> yeah, I just think Witcher 3 expands you like, on a lot of what Skyrim did and improves upon it a lot. If you like Skyrim, you'll like The Witcher. Yeah, so you don't think there's anything that... Oh, let me rephrase. You think Bethesda had to do what they did in order for Witcher 3 to come about? Not necessarily, because, I mean, there was Witcher, Witcher 1 and Witcher 2, uh, but Skyrim took a lot of trends popularized and mainstreamized a lot of trends in RPG gaming that that Witcher 3 expanded on and continued. But I think the thing that Skyrim does have over Witcher 3 is that you're able to play your own character and you can design them however you want. Again, where in Witcher 3 you're, you're Geralt of Rivia. Every time I start a new 
um, Elder Scrolls game. You know, it's like, yeah, what am I going to be? Who am I? Right. What's my backstory? Oh, I'm a Khajiit and I came up on the streets and I just want to pickpocket people, you know, like... <laughs> That's fine. Steal some bread. I'm yeah. like Aladdin. Or but will you spend an hour Aladdin. on that, Mike? I know I will. I'll spend six hours <laughs> crafting iron daggers until my crafting is up to 100% to make the best armor in the game. I'll do that. And if I can bring it back to Fallout 4 again, that's another thing. Well, Fallout 4, you can make your own character. The story locks you into a certain... You are this guy looking for his son... Um, Sean. Another dad Sean. game. Sean. <laughs> Sean, that's Fuck not very you, Sean. Whereas in um, Skyrim, the whole story is that you are a dragonborn, but that's a basically it. You can be whatever kind of dragonborn Drop you Drop you be. down in the world that way. Yeah, yeah. you're not you're the chosen like, you're one. You're looking for your long lost son. But you can do whatever you want as a chosen one. If you want to be in the Thieves Guild, do it. If you want to join the uh, yeah. Dudes on the Mountain, do it. If not, you know, whatever. The Dudes on the Mountain. <laughs> what I, the Mystics? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, you can't say mystics. Oh, shit. I'm not a wizard. That's right. My my grandpa was part wizard, so. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, Skyrim, that's, that's a difference. Like, I like the ability to create a character because I like D&D. I like being able to apply my own beliefs into this thing. And mm-hmm. so at least Skyrim has that over the Witcher. And that's, you know, something that um, you can get from that, you know. I mean, the D&D elements are something you can see all the way back to the arena day. I mean, yeah. they are very clearly a group of developers who were interested in D&D while they were making sports games yeah, <laughs> yeah which is the That's wildest the reason thing why me. they made arenas is they that, wanted to make a dnd yeah, like we, we started this conversation with a with a off-brand super nintendo football game yeah and we have evolved to one of the most complex uh rpg fantasy games that's yeah. pretty incredible that's wild yeah. for a company to make that transition they finally got to make what they want to make and maybe that's why they do so good with these other properties that they license to. They let them make the games that they want to make. I mean, id Software, it makes sense that uh, this guy works with um, John Romero because both of them have big egos, it seems like. And they're like, okay, yeah, do your own thing. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that, that to sum up what Bethesda is good at, they're really good at like setting trends. But a lot of times it takes other developers and other studios to perfect those trends. That's why New Vegas is better than 3, Fallout 3, because... Um, Obsidian was able to take the template that they used for Fallout 3 and just improve upon it, improve upon the story, improve upon the shooting a little bit. I mean, the shooting's still not great. Mm. We've been going on here about Bethesda. It seems like, obviously, they're a big player in the game industry. They've inspired a lot of things. They've started a lot of trends, you know. And now they're not only developing, but they're publishing a lot of properties that we really care about. You get Dishonored. You get the Doom series is coming back now, thanks to them. And Again, the normification of video games, man. Yeah, you know, developer turns publisher, you know, and it's but just a real big player in the uh, games world to this day. So, and they're one of the, they have their blemishes. I mean, releasing Skyrim seven times, but I think they're one of the safer AAA developers. They're not loot boxing you to death. They did release a horse armor DLC, but besides that, they're pretty much trying yeah. to give you the best value they can, except for releasing Skyrim ten times. Well, a lot of the elements of DLC that they have, they're still going to make everything available through play like there's nothing that you can get cosmetically hidden behind a paywall exactly which is the end-all be-all of video games today i mean if you're not gonna shanghai me with fucking extra 30 dollars on top of the 60 dollars i played for the game to begin with Uh i'm gonna i'm gonna back you as a company right well so for fallout 4 um they did have they had two dlcs that were um extra story content um they had far harbor and uh nuka world and then they also had some other dlcs that added 
content for the base building aspect. And so if you didn't enjoy the base building, if you didn't do that, you don't have to get those. They're not necessary oh, okay. to, to enjoy the game. But they just add a lot more um, options for, for base building and stuff like that. Do you ever check out that mobile game, Fallout Shelter? Mike, I'm Fallout very Shelter. excited to say that it just came to the Switch. Really? Oh, Switch so now. I just the downloaded it and started trying it. It is a mobile <laughs> game, particularly on your phone. Yeah, it's not bad for a free-to-play mobile game. I enjoyed it. I played a little bit I enjoyed bit of the it. comedy. The humor of it was very good. The, yeah. the writing and the tone is very good. I mean, I think the humor of the Fallout universe, and, and to an extent the Elder Scrolls universe as well, is something that they don't get enough credit for. Like the Pip-Boy, the, the Vault Tech, all of that is so fucking funny Absolutely. and so Fallout fresh. definitely has an aesthetic. I think it's getting a little repetitive for me, though. Like Fallout 4 oh. didn't do enough to differentiate from 3 in New Vegas. You've heard the opinion. jokes, the gimmick's kind of over for you? Yeah, it's like it's like I've played the same thing. Like, yeah, there's Nuka Cola, there's your Pip Boy, blah blah blah. Fallout Four, when the trailer came out, I was very hyped for it. Upon release, I was pretty disappointed. If I'm going to be completely honest, I'm sorry. I just, I just, I'm just, I'm hearing here that you're had enough of brown textures. Is that it? Yeah, and you don't I mean, want more gray and brown. I did like the look of when I saw in the trailer that they were doing Boston. I thought, oh, this could be cool, but then. Yeah, it still Boston. wasn't great for me. Yeah, <laughs> fuck Boston. Unless you live there, listen to our podcast, like and subscribe, give us an iTunes review. I love Boston. But fuck Thank yeah. you. Sports. But otherwise, <laughs> fuck Boston. I love the the trailer itself, where it was like, "Well, I'm the kind of man who like the the yeah, yeah. very true." I, that kind trailer. of aesthetic just hits. It got to me my, hyped like, to play it, but then yeah, exactly. when I actually explored the world, I was like, a lot of it was very drab looking. And now that I'm seeing the, the Fallout 76 trailer, mm. I'm getting hyped for that. But then when I see the gameplay, I'm like. This looks exactly like Fallout 4, but just with local, like, you know, multiplayer. But don't you love West Virginia? I mean, isn't that why we're here? Mountain Mama? Yeah. West Virginia. Um, and the other thing I wanted to mention about these games is that um, a lot of people say, oh, their engine is out of date. Like, their graphics don't look the best anymore. You, um, you've been saying that. Yes, I That's have been very saying true. that. Uh, but one pro about their engine is that because it's so simple, it's very easy to mod, and there's a huge Skyrim modding community. There's a Fallout. They modding make that community. game look gorgeous. They've always Skyrim. supported that too. Yeah. They never tried to lock people out. Right. The it's, most modded game in history is Skyrim. Wow. Yeah. Maybe Minecraft. No. Uh, I mean, at least according to the, to the facts I looked up on the internet, that wow. there are more mods for Skyrim than any other game today. I've seen sure. people bringing in Halo Two character packs, like it's <laughs> yeah. crazy. Thomas the Tank Engine, Randy, the big one. Uh, Randy, Randy Macho Savage. Man Dragon. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. that is my favorite mod. Scares, man. It's the Macho wow. Man Randy Dragon. Yeah, and that's that another thing that could add, you know, fifty more hours to your your gameplay and your enjoyment of the game could be through mods if that's what you're into. When I was playing Oblivion, I was doing my own mods. I would. Uh, reskin my own armor like i wanted it to look a certain way i would open it up in photoshop skin it and install it and then i could have the wow. exact shit i wow. wanted well one of the things that i think is really interesting that i know about the developers is that when they were creating the elder scrolls world one of their biggest thought process was what if star wars was a fantasy based property as opposed right. to a sci-fi based property i think that really rings true in a lot of a, the mods, and B, just the gameplay in general. The world they've built has a lot of those fantastical, otherworldly elements. I could be a scum rat thieves guild runner. You know, I could just steal stuff. Or I can be like a fancy lord, a knight, like a Jedi, basically. You can right. smuggle all day, baby. You and to bring up another, yeah. uh, uh, another franchise, before they made Skyrim, they were actually in talks to make 
instead of a new Elder Scrolls game, they were going to make an Elder Scrolls style Game of Thrones licensed game. Oh my god! They were in talks to do that, but eventually they just decided to make a new Elder Scrolls, and they made Skyrim instead. And Telltale got the rights to uh, another Game of Thrones Telltale story. But I would still love an open world RPG Game of Thrones game. I would play that so much. Just RP that you are the Lannister, and <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't want to play. I would want to play a. a, a a RPG set in Game of Thrones where you're not one of the named characters in Game of Thrones. You're just a guy who you could maybe you could be a peasant, you could be a, a sellsword, you know, something like that. Put me on that wall, baby. So we're yeah. talking Game of Thrones being brought into like the Skyrim engine, how that could be. But what would it be like if a Bethesda game became a TV show? We know we're getting a Witcher one. What if or we a had a Bethesda show or a movie, right? How would that be? So let's jump in there. Let's talk let's, about the other types of media. Let's do it. Let's talk about Bethesda in the movies. All right, so we got Bethesda. They make really deep worlds, but you know, sometimes you want to be able to explore them deeper than the games uh, sometimes maybe allow you to. So what if we had the film series from a Bethesda game? What would that look like? There's been nothing yet, correct? Uh, not that I know of. I don't think anyone um, has ever licensed uh, these games to be made into movies or anything like that, but um, it's something that could happen down the line. Uh, who has any thoughts on uh, some some movie ideas of what they'd like to see from a from a either an Elder Scrolls or a Fallout movie? My problem with that idea in general is we had that that D and D movie uh, in the early two thousands. Loved it. Yeah, I, sure, I loved it. Well, there was you know, one more before that that came with uh, your second edition box set. It was oh, very boy. weird. It had a man scorpion. Loved it. That yeah, was so, great. So this is the kind of thing where it's like in a universe where you create your own character, you follow your own story. How are you going to satisfy an audience in a way that is fulfilling to someone who has played the game? Personally, I think Fallout lends itself to that world building. I mean, the vault tech stuff, like, is it's so cinematic to me. Yeah. But I don't know if people would be satisfied because it's not the story they created. Well, something they could explore with the Fallout games, um, something that we didn't mention, if you've played the Fallout games, you might know this, a lot of the vaults that were set up by Vaultex are actually social experiments, and they do different weird things where they experiment on the vault dwellers. Um, it's like Stanford Prison Experiment. Yeah. It's almost got a purge feel to it. As yeah, well. and yeah. each vault had its own different experiment they were trying to do, and it kind of comes out through the story in these games that they're doing different weird experiments on people. See, something like that, and Joe, you really beat me to the punch on that, because I agree. A Skyrim game, we're just seeing the Battle of Helm's Deep again. You know, it's all going to be Lord of the Rings. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, Fallout, that just lends itself to such a rich world, and that's something that you could see is somebody messing around with one of these vaults, a singular story set around that. Yeah, I would be fascinated mm-hmm. by that. Where are my ghouls at? It's like a Mad Max with like more charisma. Mad yeah. Max, not the Mad Max, that great art direction. It's no, sort of but a, it has a, its a own aesthetic tone to it. A lot of it, it's a little bit more lighthearted with this weird fifties aesthetic. It has like a different flavor of that wasteland drama that we've seen so much of. Yeah, I mean that that Cold War level of of aesthetic and like the the fifties, like the greaser. I mean the tunnel snakes. Like, yeah, is your lead character going to be a tunnel snake who's just out on the docks trying to make his world uh, go through in the Fallout world? You know, like it's all kind of that'll be the number two. Like, yeah, there we go, the sequel. Project. Yeah, but I wouldn't count out a a Elder Scrolls game. I mean, you say it's a lot like D anD D or, or movies, but there are 
a t- there is a ton of established lore in the Elder Scrolls series that they could draw on. Not necessarily Skyrim, but it could be more like the Oblivion plot of where these these portals are opening up everywhere. Like Dungeons and Dragons, is there sort of a narrative character like Dritz Duardin, who writers have sort of anchored the universe around for Elder Scrolls, or no? Who is Dritz Duardin? Oh, are you kidding? He is the <laughs> Who's dark... Who's Dritz Duardin? <laughs> Listeners, you know him. You absolutely know he is. He is the anchor character for a lot of Dungeons and Dragons stories. He's a dark elf uh, with an incredible past. <laughs> a, a thousand novels have been built around him. But is there a character like that for Elder Scrolls in the books? Well, in Elder Scrolls, you've always um, played as whatever character you wanted to play, but you are given... Like you are... Like in Skyrim, you are the Dovahkiin. You're the dragonborn. But the details of that character, it's up to you. So um, there's never been a playable character, I don't think, that is, has had like an established name and in, in story. As we talk about the normification of the Fallout series and the Elder Scrolls series, I wouldn't rule out any of this. I mean, I think 10 years from now, there will absolutely be franchises built upon both of these games. There will be a Fallout movie. I will make that prediction right yeah. there for you guys. Fallout. Comfortably. Definitely for before me, Skyrim. I'm just feeling a little Fallout fatigue. I think this whole Fallout 76 is making me feel the fatigue probably Damn. more than most people. I mean, I'm just kind of over it all. I don't know. I always hated Fallout. Yeah. Oh, maybe what that's a my hot, hot take, take at the end of this coming podcast. at the end here. I want to save it for my wrap up, but I don't know, man. Like Skyrim with guns is just not the most entertaining to me. Um, maybe that's it. I, I like the the '50s aesthetic, though. I like that Cold War era stuff. That's fun. I just I don't know. Mm-hmm. Never grabbed me. But you could do a TV series or a Netflix show. Jacob, I felt that way that you feel about 76, but uh, what we'll throw out to our listeners right now, what I want to talk about next is in this movie segment, we checked out a small documentary that was released during E3, released by the No Clip Company, which is a online company on YouTube that does crowdsourced documentaries that followed the making of Fallout 76. Yeah, shout out to No Clips. They just do a fantastic job of building, again, like you said, crowdsourced documentaries that are giving us access to these developers in-house. I mean, we are in Bethesda Studios with the developers on the ground floor. Unprecedented access, in fact, Joe. Uh, we recommend you check out. They have some Morrowind and they have some Skyrim wraps up, wrap-ups as well. But uh, this film that they released for the making of 76, this was the first time that they were actually invited to cover a game before its release. So this was Bethesda reaching out to them saying, you are the ones that we want to funnel our information wow. through to show you how it's going to be uh, impacted Bethesda by the community. Bethesda putting a lot of trust into them. Oh, Absolutely. So much trust, in fact, that the first time Fallout 76 or Starfield are said on camera are in these documentaries. Wow. wow. Oh, even the name themselves. Yeah, Starfield, He, uh, the developer claimed he has never said it out loud. That was all fan speculation. Right. They've given no details. It's been four years now well, since have, he's even said it. Mm-hmm, they have been talking about making a new IP for years, but it was very mysterious of what it would be. Some people thought it would be space-based, but we didn't know the name of it or any details like that. So, I could also see that new IP being jettisoned to the front of the line in terms of, of 
television and film adaptations. Yeah, and let me True. just throw this out here. Um, they did confirm that Elder Scrolls, Fallout, and now Starfield all take place within the same universe. Oh, what? What? Yeah, yeah, that's fucking dumb. So well, wait, hold on, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Dumb. Back so, it up, back it up. Yeah, yeah. Explain how all that. Give me a so timeline. Why do they need for that? Years and years. Um, it, it just ties all their their. There are three. What is Skyrim in the future? Well, actually, no, that's no, what, what I want to know. How it works? Yeah, actually, um, uh, Fallout is the earliest. Then Starfield takes place You're between sh- Fallout and Elder Scrolls. And Elder Scrolls is the is far future. Oh, yeah. So here is my pitch: we will see in Starfield a tie-in directly oh, that Earth is a planet you can go to, and we see the Skyrim world, Planet of the Apes. Right? Well, yeah, Elder maybe. Scrolls. I'm world. guessing there will be a lot of Fallout Easter eggs within Starfield because I think Starfield takes place maybe a couple hundred years after Fallout, and then Elder Scrolls takes place a couple hundred years after Starfield. So we're not talking a single Bethesda TV show or movie. The movie could explore all of them because they're could, in the yeah, same the universe. Bethesda universe. Oh, oh fuck an expanded that. universe. <laughs> Everybody like wants that? it. The BCU. Man, yeah, <laughs> the, yeah the, the BECU, Bethesda. But I am Extended excited for Starfield. Movie. I think Starfield will add a, an interesting new aesthetic. I'm just tired of the Fallout aesthetic, and I know it was it was fun at first for me, but I've just like Fallout Four really just gave me the fatigue, and now Fallout it's so drab. Yeah. I I understand the fatigue when it's a franchise that you've been so excited about for years. But do you think a general audience? Uh, who might not have played the games and they're sitting in the theaters for, you know, uh, in F- Avengers 4 and they see a trailer for this this movie called Fallout. Do you <laughs> think that would draw an audience? Because I think it would. I, I think, think that I think is something. Think it absolutely would, yeah. I could I see a, a Spielberg-type character filling that role of like, oh, from the creators of blah, 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 here is Fallout. You need George done. Miller. It could be done, yeah. Oh, yeah, if George Miller got George his hands Miller's on it. Fallout. I don't know, though. Like, George Miller, like, he has Mad Max. Like, we don't need... Yeah, I would not need that, We don't guys. want Fallout to be a clone of Mad Max. Yeah, I don't we need it. It already is. Aesthetic. It is to a degree, but no, I would but want... but there's that separation of aesthetics. I'm telling yeah, you, it's true, so okay. much more idyllic. Yeah, but you could say that, but George Miller has also made... Bay uh, Pig in the City. Bay Pig in the City. A, Happy a failed Justice League movie. I mean, he I obviously think- has the capability to work in a universe that isn't mad absolutely max. and i do love i mean i love mad max but i just think it's a fallout movie would be too similar for to, to mad max for, for the same director matter. to do it i'd like know? to see somebody like a denny villeneuve Let somebody else somebody who it. just did a blade runner where he's great, really yeah. setting up you know its own world gear that up further you know yeah. take me to fallout colin i agree with you in my heart but in my head uh jj abrams made star trek and star wars true yeah, I think um, Star Star Trek and Star Wars are different enough that it it's. I think Mad Max and Fallout are more similar than because I mean Star Star Wars is more of a fantasy take that takes place in space, right? Whereas Star Trek is a hard sci-fi, or that's what it. But you don't think Mad be. Max has a a certain fantastical action adventure element to it that Fallout doesn't? I mean, um, there's no ghouls in right. Yeah. Right. You just have Master Blaster. <laughs> yeah. I mean, much are, more approachable. Mike. Yeah. There's, there's a ton of influence is from Mad Max within Fallout. I mean, oh, the whole sure. Raiders, the the whole way that the Raiders look and stuff Marauders straight and out stuff. of. Uh, yeah. Um, I think the Brotherhood of Steel could be a really interesting aspect for a a, a movie to to. Oh, um, the power suit's going to get in there no matter what. Yeah. Let me tell you, that's an icon. And the of interesting the that'll be the first trailer have. is a power suit breathing to life like Darth Vader. Let's I think do if, this. Yeah, because it's. 
going to happen. Yeah, and I think if they do make a Fallout movie, the one I would be most interested in would be like a New Vegas type of story mm. and setting. They got to um, add the Golden Knights faction. Yeah, New Vegas to me would be the best way to do a Fallout movie. See, I think you're jumping the gun a little bit. A New Vegas as the first installment to me would be like uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie where you'd kind of be like going a little bit over he- people's heads too far at first. Like, I think it would have to start like every Bethesda property starts leaving the vault for the first time. Well, every that's how Fallout the trailer is, opens. Yeah, yeah. That is every, every Fallout, Fallout starts with that. So, yeah, and every Elder Scrolls game starts with leaving the dungeon. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, you would need to start Except with this is the life of you had before. So, so Bethesda games are about being born into a strange world and finding your way. Wow. So deep. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Starfield could be interesting. We'll have to see what that brings. So are you looking for generic white male protagonist to take the main or, or what uh, would you want a child <laughs> well here's something i'll say about the 76 documentary which again we recommend you watch uh it really bummed me out that every developer interviewed was an old white dude oh they every single one of them <laughs> well, the only like young, within the industry yeah. <laughs> the only young or or ethnically diverse people were all in the marketing oh, yeah. uh the qa yep and uh the developing process but not in terms of actually making anything just in terms of like broad picture no and i understand that this is a lot of these guys inheriting this the documentary hits pretty hard that they all started in development on the early games in the right. skyrim series and we're seeing them or in the elder scrolls series and we're seeing them develop out their tastes and fallout and also you guys might love to hear this that the development team is growing so large that they can actually manage to handle two proper at oh, once. Yeah. That's, why that's why we're they're seeing doing development of Star Six, Starfield, and Elder, Elder Scrolls. Scrolls exactly. Yeah. Which is the first time they've done it as a company. Colin, I think we've talked about it enough. I'll definitely go ahead and share those links on Twitter. Uh, so when this episode comes out, be sure to hit our Twitter. You'll be able to find the links to the documentary. I think stuff. it'll answer a lot of your questions. I know a lot of fans were very nervous when Fallout 76 was first announced because of the multiplayer aspect. This thing gets into the nitty gritties. It tells you that they're planning for about 24 to 30 people per server. That yeah, that's the only amount be, of yeah, human small beings. Small servers, not hundreds at. of people at the same time. And that's more the niche stuff. If you're into more of the normie stuff, there's also a documentary we'll link out that's just the history of Bethesda as a company that hits kind of how they became the powerhouse that they are today. But if you're someone like me, maybe you don't have friends, you know? You just want to play alone, you know? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Um, but no, but I think Fallout 76, I think it'll be a good one-off, but I don't want the future direction of these games to go in that direction. It's, they it's hard not their to strength. get anybody yeah. to commit to playing a multi- of course, yeah, and that's just a different experience. Game. I mean, the you wouldn't put hundreds of hours that you put into Skyrim if it was if it was more of a multiplayer focused game. Yeah, you do that with Destiny, you do that with Call of Duty. Yeah. You know? So the two major properties we've hit here, Elder Scrolls and Fallout. I think we both agree. I think we all agree that both of these franchises will at some point be made into television or film properties. What about some of the other ones that they've licensed, like Wolfenstein, Evil Within, We already Death, saw Doom. Dishonored. Dishonored would be a great story to, for, for, for a TV series or a movie. I think Dishonored is a very underrated game in general and a great story. Dishonored, incredibly cinematic, has a wonderful voice acting cast with celebrities. Chloe Grace Mortz plays the female lead role oh, on that I show. I did not know that. I had no idea. That's so cool. And She's absolutely fantastic in it. Hit girl herself. Um, Carrie. As Mike just mentioned, the Doom film with The Rock, of course, I will always hold to my heart. That's another property. We (laughs) have seen that get so revamped in video games lately. They've made it so serious and taken it to the next level. You know there will be a Doom movie. 
And that's kind of the normification of video games. They I better mean, bring Doom Rock is back. one of the first. I guarantee you, Colin, you're right. We'll see another Doom movie. Probably. And I'm also surprised that there hasn't already been a Wolfenstein movie. I feel like that's a movie that could have been. Uh, hold on. Years Do you ago. guys think there's something there that's kind of stopping them with the history? What? We're sick what? of shooting Nazis in I, movies? I, I don't well, know. Are we, though? Yeah. <laughs> Germany's sick of seeing about Nazis. And I, the only thing American audiences well, think the about German... are the foreign market. Okay. Well, yeah, just... but I don't think Germany is one of the top foreign markets, is it? <laughs> no, definitely It's not, not. China. That's China. <laughs> but no, I think I think the political climate in particular is perfect for a Wolfenstein game right now. I would go see Damn. that. Wolfenstein movie. For yeah. a Wolfenstein movie, which is why the game came back into yeah. fashion. And what I love I mean, about Wolfenstein trailer... is that it has a very lighthearted tone while dealing with very serious subjects. It has a sense of humor, and I think that would work great in a movie. I mean, the first trailer for the revamped game kind of felt like the Inglorious Bastards trailer. Oh, absolutely. Oh, Where it was like, we're going to do one thing and one thing alone, kill Nazis. That's right. Which that's what the game is. So yeah. take that. And it's tone. actually great because the main character of Wolfenstein is um, BJ BJ Blas- Blaskowitz, I think is his name. And they actually purposely made him a Jewish character oh, I to love add that. to that that aspect right of it, yeah. i mean all my favorite heroes kill nazis indiana jones captain america that's what they're all about <laughs> brad pitt just yeah. brad pitt the actor <laughs> but what about evil within i mean as we're coming to the end of the movie series here any other properties that bethesda has their hands in that you'd want to see adapted what are kind of our final thoughts on the movie section before we move on here <laughs> rage the video game rage the, mad the max series you already that have it. sort of brought back yeah exactly it, it reminds me a lot of what was that video game series with the guys blowing borderlands their heads away? borderlands, borderlands. Yeah, borderlands yeah, exactly. was a fantastic series that, uh, you know well, they did make a telltale borderlands oh yeah uh, game tales from is, the borderlands yeah. incredible game which right. is kind of uh, like a movie i yeah. don't see rage really getting off the ground that much personally that's a, a an IP that they're trying to bring back in the video games alone. Well, so that's an it, id software thing. Yeah, but they bought the rights or blah, 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 The guys blah, that blah. created Doom, right? So yeah. like, you're doing well, Doom Dishonored properly. is id software, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, personally, I think Wolfenstein, Dishonored, both would lend themselves great to to adaptation. Fallout, I would, I would say Wolfenstein and Dishonored are better for adaptation than Fallout or Elder Scrolls, but Fallout could also work. Elder Scrolls, it's a little too, I don't know. Maybe we already generic. have Game of yeah. Thrones. We've had the Warcraft movie right. fail. Yeah, and the you know? Warcraft movie being a huge failure, I think, is definitely And that was one of the biggest Elder games So maybe ever. down the line, maybe after Elder Scrolls Six comes out, maybe it'll add some uniqueness back into the series, and that'll make it more ripe for adaptation. I do think Fallout is our best bet in terms of a movie, but I would love to see Absolutely. a fucking Wolfenstein movie. Oh, yeah, that would be great. Anything else uh, on the movies? I think, you know, we've gone from the game to the screen. Now can we go from the screen to the page and see what about comic books or anything that might have inspired these series, right? just novelizations. Absolutely. Let's hit it. Alright, Dragonborns, we are out here, and it is comic book time slash literature. We talked about the film series potentially we would like to see from the Bethesda franchise, and now we want to get into the comics and or novelizations. That's right, and there's not too much. I did do a little research on Elder Scrolls. 
uh, media novelizations, that kind of thing. There, there were two novels made in the, I think, during the Oblivion period of Elder Scrolls that came out, The Infernal City and Lord of Souls. Uh, I have not read either of those. Um, they're set 40 years after the Oblivion Crisis. I took a look on them online. They are beautifully bound in oh, a absolutely. gorgeous set. If anybody's an Elder Scrolls fan, I highly recommend you add that to your library. And then there's also the Skyrim library, which is the collected written works from within the Skyrim game. There's a ton of books that you can read that add a ton of lore. They, they collected all those and put them in a book. Which That is very fascinating to me because that is one thing about these games is they... They have an entire literal deep. library. Oh, it's amazing it's how much so work they put into it. Like, and There's you can, hundreds of books in Skyrim. You know, and as a Dark Souls fan, that's something I like. Like, you can just learn so much about the world by reading these books and little things here. Yeah, Mike, that seems like something that would be right up your alley in terms of building the world throughout gameplay and right. then having that option to just go ahead and hit Barnes and & Nobles and buy it. Yeah, and just let me learn about the world. How deep does this go? It's like the Salmarillion. Yeah, oh, no, yeah, of this the universe, you know, that's Absolutely. fucking great. Let me pick up a, a tome that teaches me the songs of this world that I can actually sing in my real life. And, and then that's I can very cool. RP oh, my yeah. bard in D&D and use those <laughs> songs. And if I could throw out my favorite Please book do. within Skyrim, which is The Lusty Argonian Maid. Oh, my God. <laughs> that sounds oh, like uh, that's something a, moms would buy. That's a meme. I <laughs> yeah. have heard of that. That's uh, a classic. Lusty Argonian Maid. Yeah, that's a classic Skyrim people. book. If you're in a lizard people, yeah, Argonians are the lizard uh, people. Jacob, can we get a, a brief <laughs> synopsis of the book? Well, it's just it's just what it sounds like. It's a romance. Uh, it's romance literature within the Skyrim universe revolving so around it's a fabio book. i like to assume maid. fabio's still on the cover yeah oh yeah with the argonian maid <laughs> he just has lizard skin <laughs> no that's uh yeah that one you gotta you gotta read before you know once your werewolf yeah, wife goes to bed <laughs> you bust out argonian maid so joe actually tipped us off to a very interesting animated comic that you can find on youtube it's called the senile scribbles uh and i love this series i'll be honest with you oh. joe i've only watched about 10 minutes of these i think i'm gonna go home right after this there's a 40 minute cut that has the entire first season together on youtube wow. check it out guys it is hilarious it is so much fun as someone who has just watched countless hours of gameplay you see these elements pulled directly you will from. feel like you are watching it again uh so it's animated in the same style as how it should have ended which is a very popular youtube series it's in that same oh, flash sure. style and it is just individual funny stories and simulations set inside the world of Skyrim. It huh. opens with the actual load screens that you would see, dumb pictures of random items with stupid facts, like right. deers just kind of turning and looking at you slowly as it pulls away and then cuts right into the meat of the jokes. It well, is I'm absolutely hilarious. Check that out. Highly recommended great. for you. Yeah, and e even to go beyond like the details, all of those load screen and stuff are jokes within themselves. I mean, the meta in yeah. there is so nice. funny. I mean, yeah, Bethesda, they can make fun of themselves as seen by the Keegan-Michael Key skit that they oh, did at yeah. E3 this year. Yeah, they were finally Funny aware stuff. of that. Yeah. yeah, Can we drop a link to that in the show notes? Absolutely. I'll go ahead and put that out on our Twitter and Instagram as well. And I'll throw it into the notes when we release Take this Take a look, well. Normies. You'll find it. Maybe link that Fallout 76 document. That's definitely going in as well. For as well. sure. And then as far as actual comic books, uh, I did not touch any of the Elder Scrolls ones, but after finding out that the Dishonored universe was set in the same universe or under the publishers of Skyrim and Elder Scrolls, I had to get my hands on this comic. So I did grab it. Dishonored number one, uh, released in Titan 2016, Comics, right? Titan Comics. It was written by Andrea Olimpieri. Uh, and it's good. I mean, it's very good. And I'll, uh, just a shout out to you, Mike. She actually wrote Dark Souls Legends of the Fire. And that's Titan as well. 
All yeah, right. Titan yeah, Comics we talked about in the Dark Souls uh, episode. They have a tendency to buy up some of these properties that you wouldn't expect to have comic books. Uh, they've got a huge deal with Bethesda. We see, like Colin's talking about, the Dishonored books. There's also, also, there's also Wolfenstein books, uh, Quake Champion books. Enemy Within? And oh, wow. uh, The Evil Within, yeah. Evil Within, yeah. And Wolfenstein. Well, I love this yeah. Dishonored book. It was very interesting. The world of Dishonored, of course, is steampunk magic mixed mm-hmm. with assassinations, the underbelly of crimes. Yep. The book followed that perfectly. It picks up with the lead character set 12 years later after the first game. What I worry about is I haven't played Dishonored 2. I hope none of it's anachronistic or set against uh. the comics because I'm really digging the story. Yeah, and as a horror fan, I looked through some of the Evil Within books. Uh, They were written and take place in between the Evil Within and the Evil Within 2. Um, I have not played the Evil Within 2, so I don't really know where the franchise Mm. goes from the end of the first one. Uh, The second one was kind of what we experienced in Dark Souls, where it was kind of generic horror comics insert uh, characters here. Yeah. But... As a sucker for horror comics, I was really engrossed. I think these were better than some of the Resident Evil knockoff books I've read. I'm really yeah. happy to hear that they were playing around with the lore in both of our comic books, too. You know, that's that's very true to the source material. Yeah, they really expanded on some of the characters that you wouldn't expect to see, even in the Wolfenstein books, which I didn't get too in-depth in. Uh, but it's definitely out there. I mean, if you're a fan of any of these franchises, hit up Titan Comics. I've I've really changed my mind on the company as a whole. I really? I appreciate that they saw it as a cash grab before, but now they're kind of niching things out. Exactly. I mean, at first I was like, oh, they're just trying to make extra money because with the Dark Souls comics, you see the the credits for the game before the credits of the comic. Right. That changed in the Evil Within book. I mean, they really seemed like they were giving uh, writers an opportunity to kind of play in these universes, and I I, I appreciated that. So I think. Titan Comics, go ahead and hit them up. They have a digital uh, subscription service as well. So you can get some of that stuff coming right to you. No, and that sounds like a really large catalog. I would recommend that for our readers as well. Yeah, it's pretty big. I mean, they have a lot of properties that you wouldn't expect. Even Doctor Who and stuff like that, you're going to see through Titan Comics. So outside of Titan and some of these, you know, with the Dishonored comics and stuff, there's not really a lot here, though, right, for the world over here unless there's anything i'm missing a lot of it is just fan generated content which you see a lot of a lot of on the internet there's a ton of uh fan comics fan animations and stuff so it's a definitely a big community this material is kind of too dense for the big two marvel and dc you're never really going to see these guys picking that up i I almost guarantee you got to build so much i mean even for companies like idw or uh image boom you know, I don't see any of them really diving into this world. Titan, I think, is your only opportunity. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some Fallout or uh, Elder oh, Scrolls stuff sure. from They're them kind of the, the perfect size for that, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's close the comics, guys, and give our final thoughts on Elder Scrolls, Fallout, and Bethesda in general. Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Life is all there, older than the trees, younger than the mountains, blowing like the breeze. Country roads, take me home to the rain.
Uh, sort of wrap things up. Let's just go around and quickly say what we are expecting out of Fallout 76, out of Starfield, and out of Elder Scrolls 6. Are you guys excited for any of these titles? I um, I think 76 is going to be shit. I think they should focus on the single-player experience. I have to agree with that. Right? Um, they're trying to spread themselves too thin. Um, I know they're trying to expand the team to work on two projects at once. This feels like 2.5, like a multiplayer version yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Mm. Just trying to go into a realm that maybe you're not suited for. And uh, that's pretty much it for that. And Starfield, I want to see space. I like a space game. Give me a good version of a Star Trek game and I'll be into it. So we'll see how that single player experience is or if it is single player or whatever. But I want to see a good space game. No Man's Sky is obviously garbage and uh, no yeah. one should ever play that game. So there's a space oh, in the gaming community harsh. for it. Ouch. <laughs> I'll say that uh, one of the things that I did learn in that documentary again on the making of 76 was that uh, the game was spawned as the multiplayer for Fallout 4, guys. Yes. They, that was their intention. That was so, the birthplace. It's it, basically, right. to me, it looks like a DLC for Fallout Truly. 4. Truly. And, and I think in their minds almost, they're thinking that too. Obviously, yeah. they want to give us a big experience. I'm going to say hit on that. I think it'll do pretty well. Um, I'm kind of excited to to experience it as well. The, the video really put a lot of my fears to rest that it... Uh, was not a well thought out game. It seems like they're putting a lot of detail into it. I'm excited to try the new landscape, West Virginia. I think that's kind of a one of a kind, you know, very, very foresty, very different than, yeah, the other landscapes of Fallout kind of take the path of desolation. So this will. Boston, a lot more. Fallout 4, a lot more foresty, sure. That's Um, my problem, is I think the. The Last of Us was foresty, though. West Virginia looked too similar. Yeah, yeah. From what I've seen, I was of it. kind of surprised to hear you say that it was Boston. Yeah, I mean, there's th- three samurai games, two pirate games. Yeah, Video yeah, games kind of have a, you know, a tendency to follow they each follow other. Follow each other, yeah. I'm excited yeah. for the future, Bethesda. I'm excited for the future of single player games. Obviously, that's what we all want. You know, when they talk about video game developers. There's so many cash grabs, so many you know idiotic experiences that they're trying to make to trying to link everything together. You're doing this, let this person know what you're doing. Bethesda does not do that. They make very straightforward, simple games, and I'm excited to experience that again. Yeah, and I have to say Fallout 76, I'm leaning towards shit. Um, I don't think I'll put the hours into it that I put into Skyrim or Fallout 4. Um I'll probably buy it. I'll probably play it for a couple days or a a week or two, but I won't get super into it like I do their their single-player RPGs. Starfield, on the other hand, and Elder Scrolls VI, I'm very much looking forward to. Um, They did say, so Fallout 76, I believe, will be the last game on their current engine. They're redesigning the engine for Starfield. Starfield will be the first release on that, and then Elder Scrolls VI will be the next one. And I'm hoping they do a lot to improve um, those games, and I'm hoping those are hits. Joe? I think there's a reason Fallout 76 is not called Fallout 5. Mm. Um, Absolutely, yeah. It's definitely a one-off thing. I'm going to say it's a hit in that I think after watching the documentary that Colin and I had talked about, a lot of my problems with it or concerns were addressed as well. They're thinking long-term. They're thinking about how to address some of the problems with online gaming fatigue that you run into does it scare you a little bit though when the developers themselves refer to it as not a numbered fallout game not necessarily because i i appreciate that knowledge 
Um, but you not know, in its core series. No, because it's not part of the core series. Like there still will be a Fallout Five after this. Right? Hopefully, they only make seventy-five of them, so this one still stays <laughs> lined up. Just like New Vegas. Well, New Vegas, I would consider more in the main series than Fallout seventy-six. It's kind of like three point five. You could maybe consider seventy-six four point five. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, I mean uh, seventy-six. I will definitely pick up. Um, I liked Fallout 4. I liked that experience. Building on the things that I liked in that seems like a good thing to me. I do not consider it a Fallout 5, though. And I think that's kind of the the difference in terms of, like, I think it's more akin to Elder Scrolls Online than it is Skyrim. Absolutely. And, and if people recognize that, I think it'll be a hit. Um, the thing I'm most excited about is Starfield. A Bethesda universe that finally, to me, is one I'm going to lose myself Well, and in. that we can get on the ground floor of. You know, nobody else has experienced these games before. Very and true. And hopefully, yeah, hopefully um, the aesthetic and everything works for me. Um, I was a big fan of the Mass Effect series, so if it's similar to that, mm. like Mass Effect See, meets that was Skyrim. that for me. Uh, Something like that I would love to play, but it's definitely from the from the from what we've seen of it so far, it looks like a very realistic space RPG without the more fantastical elements of like a Star Wars or something like that. It seems unique, which I'm excited about. Absolutely. Uh, and the first generation of a new series is exciting to get on the ground floor of. So that's definitely something I'm gonna be checking out. I think it's gonna be hit because I think diehard fans of Bethesda are clamoring for a first gen game and i think general audiences will be excited by a developer they trust making a game that kind of might bring back some of the ill will that was earned during like no man's sky i think it all depends on what they're going to do with this new engine because the new engine is kind of going to determine whether it's worth your time or not for sure i did want to say so if you like the the style of fallout one and two um, if you want a top-down RPG that's not a fantasy, if it's more of a post-apocalypse, check out Wasteland 2, which is a crowdfunded sequel to the original Wasteland that came out, I believe, in 2015. Oh, wow. Damn. And like you mentioned before, Fallout was an unofficial follow-up to Wasteland. That's right. That's right. So Fallout, um, they didn't have the rights to use the Wasteland name, so they just changed it to Fallout, but it is a... Um, basically a direct sequel to, to wasteland but now they have wasteland too so if you're into those kind of games Baldur's gate or like pillars of eternity but you want you don't want it to be fantasy based check out wasteland too it's all out there for you yeah we're in the golden age of video <laughs> games i mean yeah. we're never going to have more than what we have now right sorry i just wanted to throw that out there real quick that's fine any other final thoughts on bethesda because i feel like honestly for me i want to see more i don't want to see them re-releasing skyrim on all these platforms i don't want to no, see a water down they're moving past that though that's what yeah, I, I hope with so. the new engine. I think yeah. the future is looking good for Bethesda. Um, I think the new engine on the new gen of consoles will hopefully live up to the hype. Yeah, them making that short kind of poking fun at themselves with the Skyrim re-releases. I think that was them acknowledging like, look, we hear you. We're going to be better moving forward. And now it's time to move forward. It's one thing to say you heard me than to show me that you understand. Which it's, hopefully it's with Starfield and... Uh, fallout 76 and elder scrolls for elder scrolls 6 they will yeah and i'm most excited honestly for what they've licensed i want actually doom um eternal more than anything else so that's true that's the, that's the what normification I'm most about. of video games though i mean you know we talked about resident evil 2 being re-released at the top with e3 announcements i just want my childhood back yeah please <laughs> 
All right, Bethesda, you know, they're huge. One of the biggest game companies ever made. You know, we got Skyrim. We have the Elder Scrolls series and Fallout. But before we Fallout, I want to shout out to all of the people who have been listening to Normies Like Us. You know, you guys are showing up every week, and we really appreciate Thank it. Thank you, guys. Mm-hmm. Your support means the world to us. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And if you'd be willing, just go ahead and leave a review on iTunes. It would help us out so much. Jacob, thank you so much for being our special guest today and putting this episode together. Do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, nothing really. Just uh, follow me on Instagram. All right. And this is Mike. <laughs> and this is Colin. This is Joe. I got wares if you got coin. All right. And this has been Bethesda with us. The Elder Norms. Ayo, Bethesda boys. Hey. And now we can all sleep better, you know? Because uh, we're not going to be kidnapped. Or replaced with robots or anything. So, I'd say it's a pretty great day for the Commonwealth.